Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the Omnitalk Ask an Expert series. I'm your host, Dan Mazinga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are the founders of Omnitalk, the fast-growing retail media outlet that is all about the companies, the people, and the technologies that are coming together to shape the future of retail. Chris, last yes. year, around this time, we put on one of our most registered events in Omnitalk history. Yeah, we talking, did. Yes, we were talking about how customer service would change in the year ahead. And now we're doing yeah that this again. year we're plussing it up a little bit and i'm excited right. about this one we've, we've added a nice twist to this year's version of it so i'm excited yes yeah, so am i and we today are going to look back at how generative ai specifically will impact retail consumer service customer service in 2024 so joining us today are two veritable experts on the subject michael connor the global head of consumer goods for amazon web services and shannon flanagan talk desks vp and gm of retail and consumer goods michael and shannon welcome to omnitalk uh, Michael, you're a first timer here. I'm, are you getting excited for this live event? I'm fired up. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Big honor. Yes. Yes. And Shannon, welcome back in all your bright, cheerful color and glory. We're excited to have you here today. Always a pleasure to hang out with you too. Shannon, now, how many times is this for you? Yeah. How many times have you been on the show? Uh, maybe this is the, the third, third time. I think it's the third time, right? I think it might be the third. Yeah. I can't get enough of you two, really. That's why. <laughs> I, well, you know what what I find most astounding is that Shannon and Chris, you two actually worked together a few years back and Shannon is still willing to come on the show. So, Chris. Uh, look, you're kind that it was a few years. <laughs> a I few years. Yeah, you picked that up too, Shannon. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, 2001. And she's got a crazy striped sweater on too today too. So in the in the spirit of Gap, in the, in the moment. That's right. So, That's right. Yes, it was a long, long time ago, Shannon. Yes. Well, we're so happy that you guys can both join us today. And I just want to give a quick reminder to those of you who are watching us live on LinkedIn, you can ask your questions of Michael, of Shannon, of their teams at any time during this conversation in the chat window just to the right of your screen. So make sure to put those questions in and uh, and we'll do our best to follow up as we go through this. But I'd love for you each to kind of give us a little bit of a sense in the audience, a sense of your backgrounds, if they're meeting you for the first time and your roles at your respective organizations. Um, Michael, since you're the, the first timer, I, I'd love to start with you. Yeah, sure. I, I'm uh, based in Atlanta, Georgia. So of course I had to do a tour duty at Coca-Cola. And so <laughs> nice. um, I, I started in digital marketing, building like our loyalty program and our digital marketing platforms, but I ended up in the business leading data science and innovation. So I'm just obsessed with tech and culture and how the two come together. But then after Coca-Cola, I went to Amazon Web Services, leading our CPG group. And um, but the last six months, I'm super passionate about generative AI. So I'm leading generative AI for our retail and CPG team. So it's been a lot of fun talking to all of our, our retail customers about generative AI. So like generative AI, like was it was it like completely new for you? Like it was for many of us like six months ago, or were you already kind of dabbling in it and understanding it, you know, at that point in time? No, I've been doing it for a while. I I'm I'm really passionate about how AI can can help people. Um, you know, not just help a business, but help 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 people um emotionally. I, I built uh, an app called chattyq.com. And uh, it's it helps people with conflict and emotional intelligence. And so a couple of years ago, this stuff started coming out and I realized that that type of thing would be possible for the first time. And so I, I had a bit of a sneak peek uh, on this stuff. 
Okay. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Okay. That's yeah. so cool. I want to go into like, well, we'll go into it later, but I, I feel like a podcast should be done at some point in time, Michael, just talking to you about that component. Yeah, so oh, yeah. Entirely Super passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome again, Michael. And Shannon, why don't you give uh, give the audience a little bit of your background as well? Um, so I've been re retailing it since I was 18, started in stores. I've spent time as a buyer, planner, merchandiser. I've spent a lot of time on the product uh, market operations. Um, given that I've lived in San Francisco two times, that means two tours of duty at Gap Inc. So similar mm -hmm. to Michael and, and supporting the hometown brands. Um, and I, uh, so I've gone to see um, what's going on in the world of retail from a lot of different perspectives. Also spending time with Accenture and Solemn, always focused on really driving a better customer experience by doing that through enablement of tech and um, people and operating models and recently joined, well, it's not recently anymore, it feels like it, but right. um, three years in um, February, time flies, that I will have joined TalkDesk. Um, and essentially, my role is to help bring the outside in view to build solutions that are purpose built for retail and consumer good companies that are meeting the specific needs. You've heard my spiel before, I joke, you know, we've got a healthcare industry they're trying to get off fax machines. Um, we're in the metaverse. So obviously we have a different <laughs> set of challenges and opportunities. So I get to partner with a whole host of folks in the organization to help um, bring um, to brands what they need, as I believe um, I, I'll close here that product and price used to be what everybody differentiated on and maybe a little bit of service. And now I think service is the number one way to differentiate on how you make people feel and keep them coming back. So without a doubt. Yeah. Well, well said. Interesting point. All right. Well, let's get to the meat of the, of the discussion today. And to do that, I want us all to keep three constituencies in mind as we have this conversation. And those are the customer, the retailer, and the customer service agent. So at a high level, I'd like to start us off today by asking, how do you think customer service is going to change for each of those constituencies in 2024 because of AI? Michael, let's start with you. Yeah, I think that that customers are going to demand a lot more. They're they're going to expect a really rich, nuanced experience um, with with agents and chatbots that that know them. They know who they are. They know uh, what what matters to them. They know how to make great recommendations and resolve issues really quickly. I think for for the retailers, uh, they're going to have to think through the technology, figure out how to embrace it, and figure out how to deploy it quickly. You know, sometimes these. Um, these retail customers don't adopt technology as quickly as, as I think that they would like. So they're going to have to think through the tech piece, but also the culture and how they really innovate around this, because I think the customer expectations are going to evolve and they're going to demand a lot more very quickly. I see a lot of the smaller teams and startups willing to take more risks in this area, risks with kind of a newer, perhaps unproven technology. So um, I think the tech will level the playing field and I'm seeing bigger retailers are going to have to respond and really be thoughtful about how they create a powerful customer experience. So Michael, I'm curious, cognitively, when you think of like cognitive dissonance and having to adjust yeah. all of our minds to generative AI and its application, of those three three groups we mentioned, like who's going to have the biggest time cognitively trying to get over the hurdle of how it's going to impact things and impact their lives day to day? Is it the customer, the retailer, or is it the service agent? I think it's probably the the retailer. Um, I know okay. about yep. a thousand executives over the last six months. So I'm seeing how everyone's thinking about it. But we talked about FOBO, the fear of becoming obsolete. And um, I'm just seeing a lot of people that are kind of resistant to it. I saw some people that were that were copywriters that, that did merchandising and product catalog. 
are now having to shift to becoming copy editors because the generative wow. AI models are writing the copy. So their jobs are changing. It's hard for someone that's been doing something for 10, 20 years and they're good at it to, to just pivot on a dime and do something completely different. Software development's totally different. You, you're not going to write the code anymore. The AI will write the code and you'll edit it and, and you'll influence it. And so I think that people part has always been uh, something that's difficult. And a, a lot of retailers have done things a certain way for a long time. So, um, and that, I think that's why leaders are so important, right? To create a sense of calm and opportunity and to be really deliberate about how they approach it. That's a really interesting example. Yeah, I never thought about that. Writing and editing are two different skill sets entirely yeah. when you get down to it. So Shannon, what would you add in terms of that question, in terms of thinking about these constituencies and how generative AI is going to impact them in this coming year? Well, I think from a consumer, we're starting to embrace it um, quite quite um, significantly and quite quickly. I it's, I loved the way, Anne, you said, you know, we talked about customer service um, last year for this year. Mm -hmm. And boy, Gen AI was not on the roadmap. No. Right? No. AI has been a core of the TalkDops platform for a long time. We've been doing, you know, things with LLM, et cetera. But, but the the significant shift in now everyone understanding what Gen AI is. And I think we might have chatted about this as we were talking about what we might talk about is that now mothers are using it, grandmothers are using it, kids are using it, right? So mm -hmm. it's something that AI was this elusive maybe concept and how it could be applied. And now it's very, it's almost becoming, you know, um, common day for people to to use it. So I think that has changed now then consumer adoption to be much quicker with, we did a survey and I'm going to pepper in some cool stuff that we that we um, just released. And one of them was 88% of shoppers plan to use AI in some way, shape or form during their shopping season. That can be for, you know, looking for coupons or recommendation, shopping list, budgeting, et cetera. So we see that, that um, consumers are, are, embracing it. Um, to retailers, I absolutely agree that they are the biggest barriers. And a lot of it is because the ways of working are so significant. We thought, you know, on-prem to cloud was a big shift, right? And the way the team said, that was just, that was just hitting a handful of people. Now this is entire organizations. Um, and I do think they're going to, they're most, the easiest places to start are automating areas that um, were heavy um, hand lifting and more air prone areas. I think it's been a little bit maybe easier, but I think the shift is really significant. Significantly, but last but not least, for me, when when I thought about that question, it was agents having a job they like. I think right. that will mm -hmm. they will also be huge um, recipients of it. I mean, no, I you've heard me guys say this. No one calls a contact center because they're happy. Yeah, right? <laughs> they have ten different screens, and right. they, aren't the they aren't the reason any of these problems happened. Right, <laughs> the blank rolls downhill, and they're having to solve it all, and they've not had the the conditions to actually put smiles on the customer's faces very easily. So I think I, I see for them a, a new world and maybe a place people actually want to work a lot more than they had in the past as a result of this. So Shannon, I have to ask because that that research that you, you mentioned earlier on, especially about customers saying that they are looking to or they think that they'll be using generative AI in some uh, component uh, of their holiday shopping, do they know that? Like how much of it is known and like too. deliberate? Because I, I'm curious, like we've had, we've had chatbots around for a long time. And I think sometimes we, we know like that's not a real human being or that, you know, that's using AI in some way, shape or form. But like, can you explain a little bit for me and for the audience, like the difference between that? Like how, how do I know deliberately that I'm going to be using AI in my shopping? You shouldn't, right? If it's good, right. you don't know. Right. Right, 
Right. What do you, right. I mean, like, I think that's, that's when we, we talk about, yeah, you know, the, the resistance or the, we, we all have had very unfortunate and frustrating experiences with chatbots today. Um, yeah. And I think even reframing it, that, that it, it's not what that is anymore, right? It is an right. experience that you're having to self-service your, with, with a brand to get what you need done more quickly um, and, and having tools to make decisions more quickly, but it should be seamless to the customer. If it's just regular old AI or gen AI, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Uh, right. And, and, and truth be told, that was kind of why I asked the question too, because like my hunch was that you guys are going to say the retailers, but if you do this right, the customer actually shouldn't even feel it at the end of the day, okay. right? It should be seamless to them. And so that's an important thing to get out right in, in front for our retail executive audience to hear and, and, and to digest quite frankly. That's right. And now Shannon, with that kind of adoption, that kind of consumer adoption, how, fast do we realistically think that this change is going to happen? Like how are we, how quickly are we going to see retailers start to adopt this? And what are the, what are the concerns or the roadblocks that you might be hearing from retailers if there are any um, to kind of adopting this approach? Well, I would say until recently, there has been a lot of resistance around adoption and really to some of that, um, you know, having given that AI is at the core of the TalkDesk platform, we've been talking about AI for the last couple of years when I'm with customers, right. prospects, et cetera. And one of the a major CTO at a major brand said to me last year, we don't want to talk about AI in our customer mm. experience. Right. Um, there is that much resistance um, there um, as recently as uh, just a few months ago, sharing with other leaders their, their worry, right, concerned, anxiety, et cetera, around the use, the application, um, making sure brand voices is supported correctly. Where's the right place? Um, however, I think what did shift is AI being scary and having poor experiences historically, be it with demand forecasting, whatever, right? There's just not sure. been a a lot of love in the automation and analytics space necessarily mm -hmm. within retail now becomes a, a solution that is so easy to use, so many use cases that you can implement immediately, value you can see so quickly that um, it's a very different story, right? Now it's saying, my gosh, you guys, we have all this data. We can understand sentiment, intent. Um, it is easy. You don't need people with massive skill sets to be able to do this work, right? There's human, yes. there's low code, All a lot of the barriers that it existed um, no longer exist in the same way. So I, I also think it's important to change the, 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 have a paradigm shift maybe around it is that we're not replacing, we're enabling. Yes. So where does it make sense? Where are you automating, right, versus enhancing? So some of those mind shifts, I think we're seeing also much greater rapid adoption. It has been a very different year this year in terms of adoption of generative AI tools than it was a year ago. From yeah, now, or a year I, ago before. I completely agree, Shannon. I mean, I think it really is this this mindset shift from AI kind of being the technology that replaces humans to that enabler, like you're talking about, like just mm -hmm. making people's jobs more efficient instead of completely eliminating their, their position or changing, like Michael was saying, from copywriter to copy editor to Michael, I'm, I'm curious what your experience has been too. Like, what are you hearing as we kind of see this shift start to take place and the speed at which the shift is taking place. Well, and I'm going to interrupt you quick because yeah. I'm going to yeah. tee up Michael because I know he might, because I'm going to tee him up with one of my favorite topics because we, I know we, we geeked out about it in terms of the importance that in the survey, we also 
um, uh, talked to retailers and 60% of them cited poor data as a reason as to why they have not adopted AI. Mm. Um, because we know that that's at the cornerstone. That's one of the biggest roadblocks. So Michael, I'll let you take it away from there. Cause I, I know that, uh, if anybody walks away with anything, I, hopefully it's about get your data good and, uh, <laughs> you'll be able to put this in place and make money in a minute. Yeah, that's right. Actually, I wanted to call out something that you mentioned earlier, Shannon, and you talked about human in the loop. Um, and you said it really quickly, but I, I wanted to just emphasize how how significant that is. And most of the customers that I work with that have concerns about the technology, they're implementing human in the loop use cases first. So human in the loop is, um, for example, you could write copy for your merchandising or SEO keywords, or you could use a large language model to understand how a customer was feeling after a phone call or to understand if the, if the agent made a commitment to follow up, in which case you could open up like a Salesforce record. But those types of use cases allow a brand to go in and learn the tech, um, set up their, their teams to organize around it, to get like vendors set up and partners without really any risk to the brand. And so I think that's where everyone that I talked to was really focused. And then once they get really mature there and they get a level of confidence and they understand the technology, then I think you'll start to see some more automation where um, the large language models are actually interacting with people. But um, you, you also mentioned the data stuff. So let me talk about that. Before I, I'm a big, big data science person. So before the large language model stuff, everybody wanted to talk about, I want to be data driven. That was like top, uh, top thing that I, I got asked by customers. They said we have a lot of data, but very few insights. And so it's interesting, we've shifted to generative AI, but I think to your point, Generative AI is actually really bad at, at uh, uh, data and analysis. And so in order to make that really powerful, if the AI is going to make a recommendation or help you with the product catalog or help you with the customer service issue, it needs access to that underlying data. And so where customers were talking about consumer data platforms, customer data platform CDPs, where they were talking about cleaning up their data lake and creating an enterprise data catalog, they're now realizing that in order to really do something powerful with generative AI, they have to get their their uh, house in order from a data perspective. So I think we'll see a shift there. Yep. Well, and, and to add to that, the number one barrier for uh, retailers adopting AI this holiday season was um, expertise, worker expertise, or this mm -hmm. assumption around having to have a different type of, of skill set than because in the past, that's what you did need. And then, you know, as we move into, as you speak about data, but AI, there's really the corporate strategy around this. It's very, it, there, there isn't one for a lot of folks. So how, where they're figuring out where do they need to start? What do they need to make it happen? You know, really almost applying that operating model filter around what it takes to win in this space is where a lot of retailers just haven't yet started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the key, the key theme, I, the key theme I would pull out from what you guys both just said was that unlike AI use cases in the past, like, you know, I, I can't remember who mentioned it, but like the forecasting, those are all very black boxy, right? You're, you're just assuming they're happening in the background and everything's okay. This is actually AI whose output you can see. And so that makes this whole thing very different and honestly should be mm -hmm. much more attainable for the organization to understand and rally around than the previous use cases in a lot of ways when you, when you think about it like that. So, so Michael, with that as the lens then, I want to step forward and ask you, where exactly will we see this first at retail? Where will people start to deploy Gen AI first with specifics here, please? Yeah, so I think marketing and advertising is a big one. Um, I've got a lot of customers um, that like Amazon, for example, we announced a generative AI um, ads capability. And so things that were traditionally done by agencies 
can now be done with AI at scale. It's it's really incredible stuff, generating backgrounds, generating copy for target audiences. Also in Photo Studio, one of my retail customers, a luxury customer, they do a million photos per year. Each, each photo has to be cropped. It takes 30 seconds to a minute. So yep. imagine that a minute times 1 million. And that's mm-hmm. just the tip of the iceberg. So a lot of, a lot of stuff in the marketing, advertising, uh, merchandising, almost everyone I know is dipping their toes into merchandising, um, SEO, keywords, things like that, copywriting. I think product recommendations um, through um, typical campaign management, product recommendations, um, where you're basically taking the traditional AI, which would come up with, hey, what would we recommend to this person? And then you're adding generative AI on top so that you create the explainability. So the backend AI will say, hey, I would recommend to this person. And then the generative AI now tells the story around that, that has that brand voice. And they're telling the why we think that that would be good for you and why it's it's on trend for this season or, or why it really matters. And so a lot of people don't know the difference between the AI and the generative AI. And back to the forecast, you're going to see AI coming up with the forecast, but the generative AI is going to say, hey, we've seen a shift in the demand forecast and we have an inventory imbalance and we're recommending a shift from distribution center A to distribution center B. And so the models are going to create some of the explainability on top of the data that was missing before. Um, So that's where you kind of get into supply chain operations. I think call center is is, um, a no brainer too. Yeah, pull it back for customer service. Like let's let's hit that angle too. Like where specifically in customer service are we going to see this impact yeah. retailers the most? Or where, where are they going to start adopting it the most quickly? I think right out of the gate, call analytics. So call what was the customer feeling? Um, is there a risk of litigation? That's a use case I was working with with one of my customers. Do we wow. see any risk of litigation? Do we hmm. see customer churn? What did the agent commit to? Give me a summary of the call. Give it to me in Spanish, Portuguese, Mandarin, German, Spanish. Right. So those types of things like the multinational, multi-language capabilities there. So those are all things that once a call completes, we can get answers like really powerful insights to to what happened on that call. I think later we'll see automation. Uh, we did a really interesting one with predictive where when the person called, we gave the model access to the transactions of the customer. It actually predicted accurately why they were calling. So we could either automate the response or to route it. So oh, wow. lots of really cool use cases in the customer contact center. And sure. I would say that I had when, you know, when I when when joining TalkDesk and looking at our AI toolkit, you know, one of the things that we had originally um, really focused on as as I thought a, a game changer for retailers, the CX analytics, the CX sensors, right intent, sentiment, mm-hmm. keyword monitoring, you know, alerting to issues, you know, like a return problem way before maybe, you know, the corporate buying office understood it was happening. Right. Um, really excited about that. Uh but there was still a lot, there's still a lot of um, opportunity for people to say, what do I do with that data, right? Oh, this is yeah. great insight, right? But there's a lot more where suddenly my favorite um, Gen A uh, use case now is with what we call agent assist, which is the after call summary. That is a no brainer in terms of value add. Um, the um, And then that drives into better insights and, and next best actions. But that has now been one that I, people, people can wrap their brain around that one very quickly. Um, and it's the easiest use case in some ways to to implement. So that's the one we're seeing the biggest success with right now. We know self-service and all those things have, have been there before, but agent assist is agent uh, assist. maybe the biggest game changer in some ways. Um, you took a job that was very, um, very manual, very time consuming, mm-hmm. fraught with air. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I don't know, have any of you used um, uh, used anything like this for meeting recaps? Yeah. 
I'm just I have not to. done it yet. I have not done yeah. it, but a lot of people are starting to do it and it's essentially right the same idea. Right. Well, yeah, Shannon, I mean, I I'm curious just to get your yours and talk desk's kind of approach to more specific retail customer service applications in light of what we've been talking about. And especially like, like you're talking about with the, the agent assist and the, the recaps of the calls. I mean, what does that look like in practice then for your agents that are answering these? I mean, are they, they've, they don't have to do the summary anymore, but then how are they taking that information and then processing that and then changing, you know, the next call or the next series of calls or how they're approaching things given that information? What does it look like after the summary? Well, I mean, this is, you know, we, we, we've structured ourselves around these kind of three goals or three ways of thinking about it as how, okay. how are we automating things? How are we empowering? Uh, <laughs> how are we empowering? And then how are we illuminating? Mm, so the okay. three of those all, all come together in concert with any one of these use cases. So candidly, right. This is, this is product that is just starting to become adopted. So it's changing, it's changing away, obviously the what's happening in a call in and of itself in that very moment and the afterward but it's really then the the quality management that happens down the road. It's the how then okay. you drive that to next best actions. How are you using that to um, help with uh, the scripting of a call? And we we all know that might feel like dirty, but we do, it's not right. We we need to have um, ways that the people operating. So how are you then tying that back in? And I'd say mm-hmm. that's where we're still we're still learning how to take okay. all of that and then actually embed it into the end to end contact center process, but also yep. then back into the broader organization on how you're driving those insights for next best actions for logistics, maybe, right? Okay. Or or um, purchasing design. A great question. I, I I love to ask the models is what could the agent have done better? And right. you're giving it the, the tenets that, that they should follow during the call or, or the script, and it could give them uh, feedback just after the call and what they could have done better. I think pretty quickly people will adopt that, but we'll start to see real-time um, and Amazon Connect has some of those capabilities, but real-time intervention where during the call, it's actually suggesting things, you know, and that's where some really nuanced, this is, the, this is where I'm passionate, emotional intelligence. What's the customer feeling? What, what are they needing in that moment? How we make this call a really uh, successful call for the customer and the retailer? Yeah. Well, and, and Shannon, this is not a novel thing. Like you've been using recordings to help train, to help educate, to help, you know, teach a customer or call center representative, like what they could be doing differently. But I mean, what is it, what does it look like? Like, Michael, what you're talking about is fascinating, but like, what is that, what is happening then on my screen as it, as, is it just populating right then and there where it's saying like, this person is feeling angry or this is a resolution? Like how do, how is that working right now? Well, uh, one of the things I do want to, I think that is important to call out is that until just recently, um, recordings happened, but only of some calls and voice recordings was all that was being recorded or monitored or, and it had a little bit of AI on top of it. Now you can enter, you can, um, capture and analyze every interaction that is happening across Mm -hmm. every single channel to drive insights to that customer. So that's a huge unlock because there's so much data that retailers have not been leveraging in within the four walls of the contact center that can help make better real-time decisions, but also drive, you know, insights because it is real-time voice of the customer data. So, so do want to call out that that's something that's changed significantly from when we were talking last year to this year. Yeah. understanding the value of that. 
Um, but as it relates to an agent experience, the call is just being summarized very quickly for you. Now, the the hindsights, insights that Michael's referring to, that now comes really for the supervisor's view um, to start to take action from there. And that's mm-hmm. where then the processes and the job responsibilities are going to have to evolve to look different because they've never had this access to data so quickly, so easily. Right. So and I see some customers, before. they're interested. They, they know that there is intelligence with some of their best agents. Like they have agents that are just really great. And right. what they've been there 30 years. I mean, yeah. you know, and they're just great. And the customer outcomes are, are great. And the CSAT is, is amazing. And so what they're trying to do is get the AI to help them understand um, how that how that agent is approaching calls so they can take that and then use that to train other people. So so really to double down on what's working and learn from their best people. Yeah. And that's the first time, too, that I've ever thought about this. But that that actually means what you guys are saying is that it's AI, Gen AI is actually a management tool too, when it's deployed. Correctly. Very much so. It helps you become a different, a better manager than just find operational efficiencies throughout your organization, which is a really key point that we're bringing up here at the end. So, all mm-hmm. right, so let's get you out of here on this. I think we could talk to you guys for hours, uh, which is always a great thing. That's what, this is why it's great content. But um, so if we asked you right now to say, you know, this is the one roadblock that is in the way of retailers harnessing the value of generative AI in the coming year, what would it be? And how would you recommend that they break through that roadblock? Michael, let's start with you. Yeah, it, I think it is, it's people and organizations. If you look at the whole big data movement, I mean, for the last 10 years, we've had incredible tools that could do amazing things. And we haven't seen broad adoption of a lot of it. And it wasn't for lack of tools and technology, right? The cloud and everything else has been there. So time and time again, we see it's like this marriage of technology and people and change management. And that's some of, of what I learned at Coke um, um, doing what I did is that the technology um, is, is just a capability and you really have to start with the business and the business goals and work backwards and really be thoughtful about people and change management and how to use the tech to actually solve a business problem. So mm-hmm. a lot of my customers, I'm seeing this as being driven from IT and they don't understand the business and the business challenges. And, the, and the, also the business is becoming more technical. So they're starting to go off on their own if the IT teams aren't really stepping up and providing thought leadership. So so to me, it's really people and training and um, in leadership that kind of goes along with that. Shannon, anything you'd add to close us out? Yeah, I would say we, we, you know, we come back and we start with the customer. They should sit down and be aligned on what is the ideal customer experience that you want them to have in the world that exists today, not in the old world. I still think that there's probably, you know, as you go through the inspiration consideration curve, we're still bouncing from stores to web, blah, 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 like throw that all away. Imagine a world that we all have personal shopping assistants. And what does that look like, right? And so thinking, anchoring this discussion around the customer journey and the customer experience in a modern day. And wow. then how are, where are the AI use cases that you can start with now? Where are the gaps you need to have? But it really should also be always cross-functionally um, done because everybody's role with the customer is changing as a result of these capabilities. Yeah. And Shannon, I, I mean, I, I I have to imagine, right, this gets back to or comes full circle from what you're talking about at the beginning. Like if you have a great AI experience, the customer won't realize it. They're just having a more seamless experience. The needs are anticipated. Is there anything else that you would add into like what this new customer experience is going to look like as a result of AI and all of the tools and tactics we talked about today? 
in my mind, you know, it's it it's it will we will have maybe finally found the holy grail of personalization and what we've wanted it to be. Oh, that's awesome. interesting. Really, right? And again, it's that personal yeah. assistant, but but on wherever I am, um, and however I want to speak, I'm getting that one to one personalized um, interactions and recommendations and things like that that we have been trying for about 15 uh-huh. years. Personalization has been out there, and it's still been hit or miss. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, that's uh that's what I think we will ultimately see, but I think it's designing a shopping journey around it truly is one to one now. It'll, it'll be really interesting to see who owns the agent. Will each customer have their mm. own agent who will interact with the different retail brands, right? Uh, yeah. Different companies that they interact with, or will there be like a category level uh chat bot, or will it be at the brand level? I think this is all going to shake out, but well, uh, and that the head scratcher I have internally, which I would love to, you know, hang out and talk about with folks, <laughs> their opinion on is where's the line of shopping and service. It's always been one that's, that's, you know, should be very fluid, but mm-hmm. in the world of the contact center, it has not been, it's been post-purchase, which right. has always been silly in my mind, but it had been, you know, pigeonholed into that. It should be a growth channel, but the contact center, mm-hmm. who cares if the agent is in the store, who, who cares wherever they are, right? If they're right. human, they're, the real, et cetera. So I think all of these lines that we have, you know, created are becoming um, irrelevant and should be erased. But then what does it look like? Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's the next big question for, for next That's year right. for us to be talking about a year from now. That's right. Yeah, the, the next year for, for yeah. sure. That's right. Yeah. The brand is itself a service agent when you get down to it. And, and mm-hmm. your point about personalization too is so great. It's why this is this is not the metaverse. This is the technology that's not the metaverse of 2022. This is a real breathing thing that's going to impact every aspect of how we do business. And it's not slowing down anytime soon. So, all right. Well, unfortunately, we got to get get you guys out of here. We're running a little bit long, but uh, but that was, that was great. And we'd love to have you guys back anytime. But if people want to get in touch with you, they're watching this webinar live or listening back to it later, what's the best way for them to do that? Michael, why don't we start with you? Yeah, hit me up on LinkedIn, Michael O'Connor, and I work for AWS. So type those in, uh, I'll pop up. Awesome. Shannon? It'll keep it simple. Uh, Shannon Flanagan, uh, Talk Desk. All right. As well. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys, both of you, for joining us today. Thank, thank you. you for giving us your time as experts. You guys are variable experts on this subject. And thank you to all of you that joined us live on LinkedIn and posted your questions as we went along. So in closing, to everyone watching now or later, thanks as always. And on behalf of all of us at OmniTalk, be careful out there.